0: Um, whenever people are there whenever people are over even though they're electric drums he decides to play them when people are there and it's not that they make a good sound because they're electric you can't hear it unless you've got the headphones on and all you hear is this you know, that's all you hear but he's determined to show a- anybody that's visiting that he can play the drums but we're trying to have a conversation so even though he does that very annoying thing all the time I appreciate the fact that he can play an instrument anyway all good yeah, it does take a bit of courage. Who's noticed, who's noticed already in our wonderful supermarkets that we can get hot cross buns? Hey? Yeah, who's already eaten hot cross buns? <laughs> there had to be one. I, I haven't yet. I think I will. I, I used to look look at it with disdain and think, oh my goodness, I can't believe they're doing it. We've, we've just finished celebrating the birth of Jesus and they've got hot cross buns already. But I, I, I'm taking a slant that I, I read on social media and I'm thanking the supermarkets for, again, placing our focus on the cross. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Through the hot cross buns. Well, only a couple of days away from the beginning of the year. Um, and. For those that are our guests here at Mount Clear today, what we as a church or as a leadership often do is we spend some time with the Lord. There's a little bit of an echo up here, Mark. Um, we spend some time with the Lord to get a word for the year to see where he's leading us, to see what he has in store for us, you know? And uh, over the last few years, there's been different words that have really depicted our family and, and more so, it's really interesting as God has given us a word for the year, what our, what our church family has gone through, Yeah? So I think three years ago was the word family and we saw as a church how we grew as a family but we also saw some of the struggle and tension in that. A couple of years ago there was the word freedom. People starting to understand now if we're living in our true identity, our original design, who we've been created to be, this freedom that now we can live under. You know That whole thing that, Paul's, you know, that Paul talks about and other things. But what we saw is people discovered this brilliant freedom that we have to live under also, the, the pitfalls of that, you know? Not all things are beneficial, yeah? yeah. Last year, the word was awakening. And I, to be honest, I mentioned to someone recently, I probably should have talked about it more in the last six months of the year. But what we saw from the outset was we saw some men and women coming to the church that didn't know Jesus. And so they're, they're asking Jesus into their hearts for the first time. And then there were others that had a history of life in church and with the Lord that were re-asking him into their lives. And then we saw others that had these gifts that were stirring within them and there was an awakening in the Spirit. Recently, when Mel and I and the kids were away in Mildura, um, the prayer meetings here at the church continued. And one of the Thursday nights, um, I, I believe it may have been um, Roz, but they started praying for miracles, that we would see Miracles. And it sat really, really well with those that were praying. And I was just chatting about that with um, Jen one day. But I've been pondering this thought of miracles. How did that come up out of the blue, you know? And then Mel even shared, you know, that miracle of, with her dad, how he accepted the Lord. You know, that moment that, that he had anyway i've been sitting with this word miracle wondering what do you have for us in 2019 the lord and i, I want to set this as a foundation one for us to focus on next year but one for where I, where I want to go this morning and um you know i asked him so is miracle the year of miracle is this is this the word that you're dropping on mount Lee church of christ and and I, I felt i only shared it with mel this week <laughs> I haven't even shared it with our leadership team hello leadership team um <laughs> and i felt like the lord lord said to me really clearly what do you see and i what are you talking about i want to know i want the word you know for the year i want direction i want some flavor i want something that we can hoe in you know really hoe into that the sermons can follow that the worship can follow something that you want to you know really build into the house and he said what do you see and so I've come away with the thought that the word for our church this year is the word seeing. Not so much the word miracle, but the seeing, because it's all about perspective. Because sometimes we can miss the miracle because of what we see, and yet depending on how we see, sometimes then we will discover the miracle. Yeah. yeah. So I'll unpack some of my thoughts as I speak, and if I'm a little bit all over the place, it's only because God's unpacking that in me. But I'm excited for what for what God has in store for us if his word is seeing. Yeah, seeing. So let's just pray and we'll jump into it and we'll see we'll see where we go. Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to be able to share your news, the good news, the gospel. Father, we thank you that we can still in this country come together freely, Lord to talk about you, to worship you, to lift you up, Father, to exalt you, to praise you. I thank you God that that we're not hindered here yet. Oh, thank you we can do that as a family, as a body. And so, Lord, this morning we just ask that you would continue to bless us the way that you've already, you already have, that, Holy Spirit, you would continue to move, that you would continue to challenge and convict us in areas. Lord, that you would continue to transform us into the image of your Son with ever-increasing glory. So, Lord God, I just say, have your way today. Have your way. Everybody said. So if we're getting ready to step into 2019, which is only a couple of days away, um, then my question to all of us is as we're looking into 2019, what do we see? What do we see for ourselves? What do we see for our families? What do we see in our life? What do we see in our church? What, what do we see? And I, I've shared this many times in church that... Um, I observe lots of things I see every I really do see everything. It's probably a, it, it's a strength and a weakness all at the same time you know I, I see the shoes that people wear. I see if they're scuffed dirty, falling apart if they've got holes. I notice if you've worn the same shirt twice, yes, I notice that. Um, I notice if your clothes match, if they don't match, if your hair's done. I notice, you've got to ask my wife, I notice everything. I notice whether someone walks in happy, whether they're carrying some sort of, like they've been sucking on lemons before they walk in the door. I notice everything. Yeah, all the time. It drives my wife insane. I notice a cup out of place at home. I notice a towel that's not quite straight. It's, a, it's not quite OCD, but I just know it's not <laughs> <laughs> OCD for me has two meanings alone: obsessive Christ disorder and an obsessive chair disorder, and that and that goes with being a pastor because we all want our chairs perfectly aligned every week. Yeah, but I know <laughs> someone did that. I don't, many of you would not know I walked into church one day this is going back a couple of years and someone in the worship team had turned one chair in every row around the other way like it's like I walked in it's like I, 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 this twitch started you know <laughs> I noticed everything so much so that that you know, when I go out with Mel, and I shared this recently, that she will always make sure that if there's a chair facing the wall, that I'm the person facing the wall so that I'm not distracted because otherwise squirrel, you know, and I get distracted. It's just the way that I operate, you know. Um, a few years ago, I wonder whether Jess remembers this, but a few years ago we were in, um, at Flinders Street. We were taking the youth to Planet Shakers to the conference and there was a blind guy walking through uh, Flinders Street up the top. We used to stop there to get a coffee because you can't go to a conference without a coffee. Everybody knows that, amen? If you're a Christian here and you've, not, if you've gone to a conference without a coffee, you're not getting the full Holy Spirit that you need, right? Anyway, we were stopping so that I could get my coffee. And, and this blind guy was just walking through and Flinders Street's packed. And he's just tapping away with his stick. But he navigated through people, through traffic. He, he just got to where he had to go. And, and for the life of me, I don't know how he did that. I have eyes and Flinders Street at peak hour freaks me out. What time's a train? What platform? Where do I have to go? Why are all these people in the way? Get out of the coffee line. I was here first. You know, all that sort of stuff. But he navigates through the traffic. And I reckon that if I was to be asked, out of all the senses that I have, yeah, if I was to choose to lose one, which one I would hate losing the most, I actually think it would be my sight personally. Because you know, I, I think with our sight, our, our, our sight, our eyes actually speak to our mind so quickly, it actually determines what we do. You know, it tells me that I, I can't take another step. If I take another step, I'm going to fall. It, it tells me that I have to turn a little bit to the right, even while I'm see, multitasking, Then I turn to the right, otherwise I'll walk into the, in, into the pulpit, the rostrum, whatever it's called. It, it just helps us navigate life and we make decisions all the time with what we see. So I think if I was going to lose any of my senses, I think sight would be the one that I, I would hate hate to lose the most. And in fact, I had a bunch of young adults teach me once that our two eyes working together at the same time give us a sense of depth. Yeah, see? Yeah. Spoken to someone who has hands-on experience with that. (laughs) So I learned something new. So here's an exercise for the moment. Everyone close your eyes. If you're a guest here, I promise no one's going to steal your wallet or purse while your eyes are closed. If you're a part of the family here, please close your eyes. It's okay. Now, I just want to ask you this. What would it be like if you couldn't see? If that's all you could see? What would it be like if you lived in darkness like that? Imagine you just couldn't even, you couldn't see clearly and the world around you, imagine it's not even black, but it's a blur. If my wife takes her glasses off, apparently once you get further than a foot away or so, everything's a blur. I, I, I don't understand that. I need my glasses to read. I keep them on because I think they make me look smart. <laughs> How would your decisions change if that was your life? Yeah? So you feel free to open your eyes. Here's my. I want to make a suggestion. And I, my suggestion is that many of us actually go through life living as though we're blind in everyday life. The decisions that we make, we actually make decisions quite blindly as if we had a vision impairment. See, we know, we know what we're doing, but ever felt a little bit empty, uncertain, questioning, like you're just on a merry-go-round? what what actually am I here for? What, what what actually am I am I doing? You know, you know you're headed in a particular direction, but you actually don't you, you don't know where that ends. You you have no no real clue, no no real understanding. You're not quite blind, but your your vision's not clear. It's impaired, you know? Um I I think a good way to try to explain it is you know, there's a whole bunch of different examples I've written down, but if you've ever been unemployed, sometimes you're unemployed and you're unemployed for, a, you know, a, a period of time and you, you apply for job after job after job after job and I'm, I, I know no one here's ever had those, those problems. But then you start to wonder, where, where's, the, where's the job going to come from? Because I've been, I've been at this for a long time. I can't see the answer. I can't see it. Or for, for many of us, who's ever had a job that they've dis- disliked? Like, I'm here, but oh my goodness, yeah? Right? And you wonder, is this ever going to get better? A- am I actually going to get a promotion? Am I going to get a pay rise? Am I actually ever going to roll up to work and just think, wow, this is awesome? And, and, and it's like we're living life like a blind person because we're going through the motion, but we can't really see where we're headed or what we're doing or why we're doing it for that matter. You know, often in relationships, anyone ever had a difficult season in their relationship? Mel, don't put up both hands. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you have difficult seasons, and you wonder when's this going to come good? You know, when, when when's the rubber going to hit the road? When am I going to get traction that I'm going to be a blessing to those in relationships when they look at ours? You know, for those that have you know, been through school and finished year 12 or even university, you know, you're at the end of a season that you focus so much on and the future and the world should be your oyster, but you don't really know what to do next, yeah? What will I do? What job will I get? Where will I go? Will I go back to school? Will I study? Won't I study? What should I apply for? You know, and we live life without clarity, totally without clarity. And, and for many of us, I think we get to the point where we can look at life and just wonder, what does life have for me? Anyone ever been there? Yeah? So though we can physically see, we can't really see. And here's God dropping a word, as far as I'm concerned, for our house this year, seeing. Seeing. You know, I, I want to say, and this is a sweeping generalisation, yeah? Because I, I like generalisations because it covers most of us often we can feel like there's more we know there's more there's more to life i I, i'm not living it to the full i'm not living in the abundance that god has promised you know but we just can't see how to get there or how to make it happen so again i ask that question for where you're at in life right now what do you see if this legitimately coming in 2019 is the year of seeing, what do you see? You know, the truth is, as we face the year, our decisions, our actions, how we navigate this life should be based on one thing, and it should be based on God, yeah? It should be based on Jesus. It should be based on what he sees, on his perspective. You know, what is it that God sees about what we're doing and what God sees about where we're going? 2 Corinthians in chapter four, verse eighteen, says, "So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal." Second Corinthians five seven says, "For we live by faith, not by sight." So, uh, many of us live by sight. Yeah, I know some of you are saying, "That's not me." That's okay. Awesome. Amen. That's I'm, I'm really excited about that. But for a lot of us, we live with what's tangible. Yeah, with what we can see and feel and understand. Yet the scripture suggests that we live by faith and not by sight. And if we're all going to be honest, I reckon a majority of us live by what we see, make decisions on what we see, make decisions on on what's happening, what we're feeling, what's what's coming in, yeah? But that's not faith, is it? That's sight. That's not faith, that's sight. I think we can learn something from that guy at Flinders Street because he navigated and made decisions in one of the busiest busiest areas at any point in time in Australia, I reckon, particularly at peak hour. And he did it safely. There's something in what he did that we can take note of and learn from, I think. We need to see past what our eyes see, Yeah. We need to learn to see by faith, to live by faith, to see how God sees, especially if this is going to be the year of seeing. See, go with me here. I'd go as far as to say that many of us have had prophetic words spoken over our lives, if you've been in church, any church for any amount of time. Many of us have had promises that we feel like God's spoken into our lives, and yet many of us have not seen them come to pass. And so they, they now lay forgotten, almost buried, yeah? The issue is we're seeing through our eyes and with our perspective. And if 2019 is truly going to be the year of seeing, then we, as we look forward, we need to see as Father sees. Often we can't see the promise being fulfilled. Often we can't see the prophetic word coming to pass. But Papa can. But Father can. Yeah? Yeah? There's a story in Scripture in 1 Kings chapter 18 about Elijah and Ahab. And uh, I'll just read a couple of verses. After a long time, in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah go and present yourself to Ahab. Ahab was a king, and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria. They had not had rain for over three years. They didn't have rain because Elijah the prophet prayed that the the rain would stop. And now God gives Elijah this vision and says, Now go to the king, the king that knows that you prayed for the rain to stop. And uh, you go and tell him that the rain's coming. Something that no one has seen for." Actually, close to three and a half years. First Kings in 18, verse 41, if we jump to there. And it says, And Elijah said to Ahab, Go eat and drink, for there is, a, there is the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink. But Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. The seventh time the servant reported a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go until Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose, a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. You know, Ahab was so evil as a king in God's eyes that Elijah prayed that the rain would stop because God wanted to teach him a lesson. Yeah. That, that's that's why, it, why it was happening. And there, smack in the middle of this three-year drought, God says, by the way, here's a word, Elijah. Here's a promise. The rain's coming. Yeah? The rain's coming. The rain's coming. God says, go tell the king that the rain's coming. Elijah had prayed for the rain to stop. He hadn't seen rain for over three years. Ahab Hadn't seen rain for over three years. The people hadn't seen rain for over three years. Sometimes God can give you a promise for something that you've not seen in your life or around your life for a very long period of time. Yeah? It's like, it's a little like when you get a word from God and He speaks a promise into something that we've not seen for a long time, like a job but you haven't got one. But you know that his plans and his purpose for you is good. We know that he is always good, that nothing that God does is evil. He's a loving father. Yeah? He works all things together for good. So you feel like God's going to give you the right job at the right time, but you haven't seen it. There are families and... Multiple families that have believed that they're going to have children yet have not seen a child. Yeah. My mum and dad were married for 13 years and couldn't have children. 13 years later, a child was born. I like to tell people I'm the miracle child. Yeah? Don't <laughs> laugh, it's true. But, but the point is sometimes you get a promise. God speaks into something that you've actually not seen. A friendship, a relationship, it could, it could be anything, it could be health. He's telling you that you're going to be healthy, that you're going to be well, but you've not experienced that for three years. You don't even know what it looks like to be healthy, to be well. Yeah. He speaks to each one of us differently and he brings a word, a promise, and often it's something we've not seen in a long time or sometimes it could even be something that we've never seen before. Because in that three years, three and a half years really, how many children were born that had never seen rain? It could be something that we won't see for ages to come. Yeah. So Elijah got the promise from Papa, the rain's coming, and he sends his servant to check it out, but he couldn't see anything. And we we know the king couldn't see it, no one could see it. And he sends his servant back, backwards and forwards. Six times. No, 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 nada, niente, no. Yeah? Until the seventh time, he actually finally sees something. Finally he could see. Finally his servant had faith. Because First Kings 18 verse 44 says, The seventh time the servant reported a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. See, once he was able to see, then he was able to give instruction. Once he was able to see... He was then able to navigate. Once he was able to see, Elijah was then able to tell Ahab, hey, king, the rain's now on its way. You better hitch up your chariot and go. Before that, all he said was the rain's coming. But once you and I can see, we can act. But it's about... Our perspective—it's about what we see and how we see. It. Are we seeing what God sees? Because when God says, "I'm bringing the rain," it's gonna—you know what? Well, when this rain comes, the drought's over. The word that He got was there was this little cloud, this little cloud out there, the size—size. Yep, yeah, I covered that light. The size of a man's hand. That doesn't sound like a drought-breaking cloud, does it? Yeah. But he was able to see something that others would never have seen. Yeah, Because the miracle is in the seeing. It's not in the miracle. <laughs> it was when he was able to see the cloud and know the promise that he was able to go to Ahab and say, hey, listen, I'm now proclaiming to you what's going on. I'm telling you what's happening. The promise is coming. The word's being fulfilled. See, there are stages in our life where there are signs of a cloud the size of a man's hand. But sometimes we miss it because we're waiting for the rain. Yeah. We're waiting for the actual promise, prophetic word to drop exactly the way it was spoken, and we've missed what God was bringing to show us that it was on its way. Yeah. See, 2019 is the word of seeing because when we can see, it gives us hope. When we can see, we can act. Yeah. So where you're at in your life right now, what do you see? Because the way we see will affect our lives. You know, I spoke with Anna last night and asked if it was okay just to share. And for those that are part of the family and our guests, Anna had, has cancer in her bowel and she had an operation for that. And so we praised God for that because she came through that. But she's also found, found out now that she's got stage three um, uh, cancer in her lymph nodes. Now... This is, this is where we can miss what God's doing. Now, I'm not suggesting at all we're not believing for a miracle. We're praying for it and we're, we're, we're stamping. We're making, drawing a line in the sand. We're believing total healing. Amen in Jesus' name. Yeah. But one thing that Anna said helped me to see what God was doing. See, what she said was, if it wasn't for God in my life, if it wasn't for this awakening now with Jesus in my life, I wouldn't be able to go through this season the way I'm going through it right now. Yeah. So you tell me, what's the miracle? Is it the full healing? Of course that is and will be. But isn't the miracle already happening inside of her? The, the cloud, the size of a man's hand? I have this peace to go through this stuff that I would never, I just would have flipped it, freaked out. Yeah? See, what do we see? Do we see what what Father's already done in her life? It's only small. It's only the size of a man's hand. But can we see what he's bringing? Can we see what he's doing? Yeah? You know, Mel and I had really good friends. um, And funnily enough, Beck and Adam, um, that aren't aren't here today, I often call them Beck and Ash because we had friends that were Beck and Ash. And Beck and Ash had prayer that they would have a child. And um, they had a couple of boys and they were trying for ages. Anyway, they had a baby girl who had a huge, huge hole in her heart. Yeah, and we spent time at the hospital and prayed for her. We we saw baby Mia improve, yeah. But in the end, three months later, Mia, Mia passed away, yeah. And I reckon I've sh- I may have shared about baby Mia a couple of times here at the church over the years because it, it it's such a... a, a a beautiful story in the midst of struggle and pain. Because what a lot of their families saw was the loss of a child. But when you speak to them, what they received in baby Mia was the beginning of a promise. It was the size of a man's hand. Baby Mia touched more people in that hospital. More people that visited came away with faith because they saw this girl, not because she was on drugs, because she was at peace. Because they saw her improve in moments. They saw a smile breaking through her face. Mel and I witnessed Beck and Ash grow in their faith. Like they grew in their faith. In the midst of their trial, they grew in their faith. In the midst of their trial, God was bringing to pass purpose and promise and destiny in their own life. But what many saw was the pain, the heartache, the child that passed away. They missed... They miss the cloud, the size of a man's hand that was God bringing to pass what he wanted. See, it's what you see, it's how you see. In the year of seeing, what do you see? Do you see the death of a child? Or do you see parents that have grown in their faith and have got this cherished memory of a beautiful daughter that's cheering for them in heaven? Yeah? What do you see? You know, I think often of Beck and Adam here and what they've been through with Lockie and the kidney and Flynn and the burn. And, you know, it feels like every second week one of the kids are in hospital. But when you speak to them, every incident is almost like a cloud the size of a man's hand because when they talk of their faith and where God has brought them and what God has done and what God is doing, they see things differently. Yeah? The miracle wasn't just in the healing. The miracle started long before that, yeah? Long before that. This cloud the size of a man's hand. There's a truth for us when we look at 2019. A season of drought is inevitable. Is that fair? You know, we live in Ballarat. We see rain two or three times a year, don't we? We see the sun two or three times a year. And all the other days are just cold. And overcast. No, I'm exaggerating. We see the sun four days and rain five. But a season of drought is inevitable. But even when we don't see the evidence of rain, even when you don't see the evidence of your promise, even when you don't see the evidence of your prophetic word, we can still know that God is faithful. Because when He speaks, it's not a matter of when it will come to pass, but when. How are we seeing? How are we seeing? How are we seeing? Because in this story of Elijah, there's a key that helps us. There's a drought for over th- three years, but Elijah has his promise. There's something that Elijah does that I know is true for those people that i mentioned just really briefly. yeah. And I know it's true for them, and I don't even have to ask them. Because in verse 41, in chapter 18 of 1 Kings, it says, And Elijah said to have, Go eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain so Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. The first thing Elijah did was he had to go before the king, who he actually believed would kill him. Yeah. He proclaimed what God was doing. He proclaimed what God was doing, even though he couldn't see it. Yeah? I have read nothing, nothing but positive, I'm going to get through this. I believe God is going to heal me from Anna. When I, on social media, you've, you've been exceptionally um, like I'm, I'm like, yes, come on. With our mouths, with our tongue, we've got the power of life and death. So let's not speak optimism. Let's not speak hope like the world sees it. Let's speak hope, our one true hope, Jesus. He is our hope, yeah? So though I might be sick, that's fact. Truth is, I have a God who can heal me. Thank you for the healing. My relationship might be really struggling right now. That's fact. But I believe God's restoring it, that it's going to be a star shining amongst couples. That's truth. Yeah? It's a difference between fact and truth. It's how you see, it's all how we see. In the spiritual realm, it's already raining. You've got the promise. You've got your prophetic word. It's done. God's given it to you. It's not waiting to reign in heaven. It's not ra- waiting to reign in the spiritual realm. It's already raining. If God says it, it's done. Yeah? Once we get the word, we've got to speak it out. We've got to declare it. We've got to proclaim it. Because then we'll see it in the physical, yeah? How we see leads us to the miracle. Often it's the seeing that's the miracle itself, yeah? In 1st 42 of 1st Kings, see, Elijah now does this. It says, I went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, but bent down to the ground, put his face between his knees. He begins praying. Now, I'm not going to do it very well up here because I'm not as flexible as I should be, but he's got his head to the... I can't even get... I think my stomach gets in the way. Anyway, so he gets his head to the ground, yeah? If I turn to the side and lay down, I'm in a fetal position, yeah? Do you understand that if I'm bent to the ground and I'm like this and I turn to, I'm in a fetal position. Now, I learned something through my dog Coco last year, yeah, that when she knows she's being punished, as an act of submission, she lays on her back with her feet up, yeah, totally like that because she knows she's in trouble. But in an act of friendship and care and love, she does exactly the same thing. When she wants us to pat her, she takes the same position as she does as the act of submission when she's in trouble. Yeah? Now, he prayed. Now, when he prayed, he's in this position, and it's a fetal position, but it's not a fetal position Yeah. that says, oh, Lord God, I have no hope. It's a position that says, God, I'm trusting in you because I, 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 if I get up off this, from this place, there's nothing that I can do. So I'm totally trusting in you. Like a baby, totally trusting its parents. I'm trusting in you. After he proclaimed, after he declared, he prayed. How many of us, because we've not seen the rain, how many of us, because we haven't seen the promise, because we haven't seen the prophetic word come to pass, how many of us have actually stopped praying about that? Yeah, Because it's not happened. We've forgotten about it. We've let it go. We were waiting. But it's in the seeing. It's in the seeing. He totally, Elijah totally, with a humble heart, drops and starts praying. In fact, I, I, I love it because it couldn't rain until he prayed. It couldn't rain until he prayed. You know, James captures it. He says it in James chapter 5, verse 17. In 18, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. So James is saying because of his prayers, it stopped raining. And again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. It was his prayers that delivered the promise that he was given. Do you understand? He got the promise, but he was prayers, his prayers that allowed it to activate. When he took a posture, yeah, he took a posture that could be, oh, please, not me. Oh, God, do something. But rather being in that position in, with that heart, his was a humbling God. I'm just trusting you. I, I'm giving it all to you. Yeah, I'm going to let you do it, and it activated the very promise. What was already happening in the spiritual was now coming in the physical. Amen. Elijah's prayer was prayed in faith. He was expecting God to answer. I actually don't think he even had the thought: "What if it doesn't rain?" I don't know about you, but I know we we you know the Bible is very clear. Don't have doubt. Don't be double minded. You know, if you're double-minded, don't expect anything to be answered in your prayers, etc. But how many times do we pray? And it's not that we doubt, but somewhere there's this thought saying, Oh God, come on, you have to come through now. You know, almost like, please, let this happen. I know this is just me. Yeah, I know it's nobody there. It's a pastor's life to worry and doubt when he prays. No, God just... Oh, Lord, please, I think it'll be all right. I don't think any, any thought like that was, was in Elijah's heart or mind. He, he completely prayed, prayed with faith. Think about it. The, the story in 1 Kings, it, it, I'm going to go back, the story of the Israelites walking around the city of Jericho. Yeah, They're walking around the city of Jericho. How frustrating would it have been to walk around six times and nothing happens? Six times and nothing happens. Six times I watched Nathan and Samuel walk into our kitchen and the food on the bench doesn't change because they've not opened a door. But still, they get frustrated. Is there anything to eat or there's nothing here? Five minutes later, they come back like it's changed. Is there anything to eat? There's nothing. Could you imagine how frustrating it would have been walking around Jericho and nothing happens? But on the seventh time, it happens. Now we go to Elijah and he sends his servant and six times he goes up. I don't even know. the Bible doesn't tell us how long it took him to get up, or how long it took him to get back. Like, how long was the journey? How long did it take? Was he tired? Was he super fit? Do he have to sleep overnight? But six times he goes up and comes back, goes out. It's like visiting someone that's never home. It's frustrating. So he goes, but on the seventh time, it happens, yeah? Because Elijah knew something, and this is for someone today. You might be in, in the fifth or, or, or the sixth season of your life. Yeah? You could be in the fifth or sixth round with your job, with your family, with illness, whatever it might be, and you might be thinking, you know what, I can't hear God. Nothing, nothing, nothing is happening. Don't stop at six. Don't stop at six. Don't do it. Don't stop. God promises us something. He gives us a vision for our lives. But then, Father God, Papa wants us to prepare and work for it. And by work, this is what I mean. Elijah sends his servant. The minute his servant goes, and he prays. His servant comes back. He goes, so, what did you see? Nothing. All right, go back up. And he prays. And his prayer, the humble prayer of his heart, activated the promise. It activated the prophetic word. It activated and brought the dreams that some of us have forgotten about. Yeah. He wants us to work for it. He has to get us ready for the promise that he's given us, for what he's spoken over our lives. Yeah? God's faithful, but he wants to build into us faith. He, he's peace, the Prince of Peace, but he wants us to grab hold of that peace. Over and over, he wants us to work for it in a sense. Yeah, There's nothing that we can do for our salvation. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when he gives you a promise. Look at these examples that we have. Don't stop at six. If he gives us a promise, then we've got to be faithful to the process. We've got to be faithful to what we need to do. And we will see it come to pass. Yeah? You know, for everybody here, with the promises that are spoken over your life, with the words that you've received, you know, what do you see? Like truly, what do you see? I said before a season of drought's inevitable but when he speaks it's not a matter of when it'll come to pass but a matter of when yeah don't stop at six you know rick warren has a great quote it's always darkest right before you open your eyes <laughs> it's always darkest right before you open your eyes 2019, for us, is the year of seeing, because you can have your eyes open and not see. It's always darkest right before you open your eyes. Yeah What do you see? Joyce Meyer says, "If you and I could just look at our situation really hard, I'm sure we could always find a cloud of hope, at least the size of a man's hand. What do you see? Why don't we all stand? I'm going to play this really short video because the difference between seeing and not seeing is such a simple shift in the way that we think and the way that we see. So just watch this quickly. Make sure it's got volume, Mark. Thanks. See here, sit down. I uh, got you a gift. Thanks. Thanks for not rushing me. Yeah. This is only half the gift. Yeah? It it doesn't work without the story. Okay. This stuff was invented by this man in central Ohio. As, uh, white goo and he used it to um, remove soot off of wallpaper from old-fashioned heating mm-hmm. so as gas and electric heating came in there was uh, no longer a need for the for the cleaning goo um, so you know the guy was going under but his uh, sister-in-law who was a nursery school teacher now, is this a true story the man's name was Joe McVicker his sister-in-law was Kay Zufall Okay, I believe you. So Kay Zufall discovered that her little kids liked squeezing the goo a lot more than hard modeling clay. So she suggested to her brother-in-law, Joe, that they color the stuff and call it Play-Doh. Hey. Nice. So... I have kept this for a long time as proof and we're all just one small adjustment away from making our lives work. What do you see? One small adjustment. What do you see? Think about it when when there's an altar call at a church, any church, often often it's this not always, but often it's the same people that come forward to an altar call, you know? And then you'll get a couple of others. You know, my daughter Faith was a regular at our churches for years, every week, week in and week out, howling as God was doing her work. But she was a regular. Now, what do you see? Do you see someone that's weak in their faith? Do you see someone that just needs Jesus as a crutch and they they just need a prayer just so they can get through a week? What do you see? Or, Or do you see someone who's hungry for Jesus? Do you see someone that actually wants more? Because so often we can miss what God has for us because of the way we see, simply because we don't see like he sees. Yeah, I'm going to open the altar today, so can I have maybe the keys and the, and the guitar as well? Just, just some music. And just, just really simply, if 2019 for us is going to be the year of seeing, then I'm going to suggest that all of us can see anew and all of us can see afresh. You know, some of you might be thinking, Pastor, I've been a Christian a long time. My sight's fine. I, you know, I, I, I don't need to come forward. But you know that there are areas in your own questioning, even today, that things aren't as clear as they could be. Even in Mark, when Jesus prayed for the blind person. He didn't pray and touch his eyes once, but it was on the second touch that he was able to see. Sometimes we need a fresh touch for fresh perspective to be able to see the way that God sees. Yeah? And maybe, maybe you're here for the first time, maybe you, you don't know the Lord all that well, and maybe you just want him to touch you in that place, that you might be able to see him and know him and walk with him. I want to give you that opportunity. So as the guys play, if I could just ask for everyone in the house, just to have your eyes closed for a moment. And if today you just want a prayer, if 2019, if you want 2019 to be the year of seeing for you, to be able to see what he sees, to be able to see the cloud, the size of a man's hand, if that's something that you desire for this year, then just come forward and we're going to pray for you. And then we're going to be done. And the day will be over and we'll have coffee together and we'll have lunch and tea. Amen. If you know the words, sing. If you're able to. Otherwise, just come forward and get some prayer. Can you help me please?